Hello, and welcome to the Activated Living Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Michelle, your holistic lifestyle consultant and the creator of Activated Living. Bienvenidos, hermanas y hermanos y todos, sisters and brothers and everyone in between. Welcome back to the Activated Living Podcast. It's episode 12 and I am so full of joy to be back and getting back into podcasting, sharing and storytelling. I took a long and necessary break for myself, and I don't think that it was in anyone's best interest (laughs) to hear anything that I had to say or shout about in 2020. (laughs) And it's taken me a few months um, to honor this space and season that I'm currently in. I'm not focusing as much on, you know, quote unquote, industry standards um, and having to perform or produce episodes every week or just like, ugh even like every month, (laughs) I'm allowing this space to be a container and really honor what's on my heart and what I feel called to speak about and share in the moment. This episode weighs heavy on my heart and is something I've sat with for many years, only to fully know its name just recently, and, and that is the spirit of supremacy. I was completely inspired to focus on this subject matter back in January, February of this year of 2021, when a dear virtual friend of mine, TJ, um, she's known uh, as the Half-Ass Witch and is also the co-founder of Mystic Mysteries, and she invited me to be part of this diverse panel of ha- uh, called How About Not Racism?, a conversation on race in the spiritual community. You know, when I got invited, I just was like, man, if anyone has a good dose and hot takes on race, racism, appropriation, um, bypassing performative allyship, you know, I, I think that within the spiritual community or maybe just humanity in general, <laughs> this was really pushed to the forefront of a lot of our collective consciousness and awareness, especially last year. And I think what I want to do is share with you my notes from this past panel and just also honor the fullness of this talk that I introduced back in February. I also want to weave in some storytelling, have a little story time for context. And also, it's important to honor how I got to this space and the alchemical reality of transmuting a topic that I really felt so dissatisfied and disconnected with to now forming a deeper understanding and, dare I say, you know, opening space for appreciation. I did my best to play with the 15 minutes that I was given on our panel. But if you know me, know me. (laughs) You know that I was skipping through like two pages worth of notes. So I thought, okay, (laughs) this is just the appetizer. Get ready, get comfy, put your sweatpants on because we're about to feast and we're just going to dig in. (laughs) So get ready. As a disclaimer, this is a loaded topic with some loaded words and language. 
I'm not trying to make light of a deeply rooted issue. In this podcast, I will highlight uncomfortable topics such as trauma, shadow work, racism, and supremacy. So this may or may not be the podcast episode for you. Please do not take any of this as medical or therapeutic advice. I am not a doctor, therapist, or licensed practitioner of any sort. I'm just me talking about some things. So let's get into it. The spirit of supremacy. I found myself feeling really excited, but also really lost in terms of where I wanted to take this conversation originally. On my own personal relationship with racism, um, racism is something that's affected me in a very unique way because as a transracial adoptee living with quote-unquote white parents with a quote-unquote white name, when I looked nothing like my family, um, it invited a lot of questions and judgments growing up for me. If I'm to make a timeline of my life, I can definitely see in several spaces where I have equally benefited from racial bias and have also been on the receiving end of oppression and racism. You know, as an indigenous woman in a spiritual space, and especially in the new age spiritual community, I've personally experienced a 20-ish year roller coaster of what it's felt like to be in a space where in the beginning no one cared to know about my ancestral roots. Um, every time I tried bringing up about ancestral indigenous wisdom, it was pretty much bypassed because it wasn't something that was written down in a book um, or a, a new age pagan or um, you know shamanist shaman book um, but now you know indigenous and ancestral wisdom practices and medicines are being completely commodified and tokenized so like I mentioned I get asked to do this talk for the first time in a long time you know I felt into it I leaned into it and I, I said yes there's a handful of times when I've been asked to do interviews, panel discussions, and they just, you know, whatever the reason was, it just never felt aligned. It never felt like a big hell yes for me. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I say yes to this. And then immediately after my yes, I'm just like, ah, shit. <laughs> what am I going to talk about now? <laughs> I'm still angry. <laughs> So luckily, I got the invitation on a Sunday, and Tuesdays are my coaching days and my therapy days. <laughs> so this is why also it's so important to have counsel and mentorship and guidance. And even if you're lucky enough to be working with your elders, whatever it is, you know, it, it truly uh is so so important and if it weren't for these individuals and these conversations that were birthed I don't think I would have been able to personally sit and reflect and meet this spirit and create such a deep but profound relationship and understanding it so within my group of counsel it's pretty much accepted and understood that I'm a, a why person 
<laughs> I tend to go down my line and lists of whys and what's to get to my how. Um, and I, I look at me, you know, being a human and trying to find order in my chaos. <laughs> um, so I, I sat with myself asking what parts of me want to speak about race within the spiritual community. I'd like to think that I'm a fairly self-aware person and I acknowledge the fire, you know, the Agni, the sacred anger that lies within me. And when it came to this interaction of race and spirituality, parts of me still felt upset. I still felt angry. I still felt the parts of me that were deeply hurt and mistreated or dissatisfied. You know, as alchemistas, as alchemists, we have the power to transmute that energy. And although I honor my anger, be it righteous or reactive, I also knew I didn't want to speak from that space. In the self-help, self-actualization communities, some folks call that, you know, speaking from your wound. My desire was to come from a heart-centered space where everyone could find something that they could relate to. Of course, of course, we can relate in our shared pain and our shared traumas of how race has affected us, especially in the spiritual community. But I kept hearing in my head, like, no, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than your experience. It's bigger than you. And I knew in my heart of hearts it was bigger than race or racism. And this is kind of where I felt a lot of overwhelm because, you know, my logical brain, my logical mind, my rational mind, when I'm thinking, okay, shit, this is bigger than race and racism, like, well, what is there? I, I was left with, again, so many questions and just, you know, trying to create some meaning here. In the past, when it came to identifying my pain, finding the root and creating new meaning from it, it took a lot of hard conversations, a lot of emotions, and a lot of corrections along the way. The only way I really knew how to find its name, whatever it was that was ready to speak to me, was to just sit and shut the fuck up (laughs) and be silent and let it speak. Challenging for me, I know. (laughs) So this process of getting to know and understand the spirit, it didn't take long to hear this spirit speak to me. I asked what its name was, and nothing, just, just silence. I asked, how can I best honor you in a way that everyone hears you? And then I heard, show all parts of me. I asked its name one more time, and I heard supremacy. And I laid on the floor, as I typically do, and I thought, oh, fuck. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) this is bigger than racism. All right, (laughs) let's go. And for the course of those five weeks, I had been sitting with the spirit of supremacy fairly intimately. You know, I've asked the spirit to show me how I have interacted with it in different capacities. I asked the spirit to help me see how we are all affected by it 
in violent as well as nonviolent forms. Beyond race and racism, this universal force has been running wild for centuries, running wild in our language, in our politics, in our genders and sexualities, in our culture. So then do we exhaust ourselves by continually attempting to destroy the spirit of supremacy? Personally, for me, I'm currently exploring this universal oneness in this spirit. And I know when I try to find a deeper, different, or new meaning of something, you know, there's a process that I need to go through. I need to acknowledge and accept it for what it is. I need to honor it for what it is, which is pretty difficult. You know, acknowledging and accepting, like, you know, depending on how self-aware you might be, that might not be difficult. But then honoring that, especially when it's something that you don't align with, so difficult, right? And I also need to listen and understand it. And to be honest, this process comes up a lot for me in the conscious and unconscious, um, you know, decolonizing work that I've done throughout my life. To look at life through an indigenous lens means to look at life without a centralizing narrative. To live life with indigenous wisdom means to honor and uphold community over centralization. You know, with Activated Living, my entire desire for creating this platform and this business is to help weave the mind, body, spirit, and soul connection with indigenous wisdom So I found it very challenging in the beginning of this journey to find some universal oneness on a not-so-fantastic subject such as racism. And I'll be honest, I, I felt beyond challenged. So before I dive deeper, I do want to first acknowledge the trauma that is caused by the spirit of supremacy when we, when taken to levels of extreme manifestation. Within any group of folks, be it the oppressed or the oppressor, there is always underlying trauma that lives within both parties. When I took the time to sit and think about what similarities do the oppressed and oppressor carry, I was surprised to see how deeply spiritual these desires and needs are, which is honestly just leading me to believe that everything is just one of the all and gives me more proof that it's all connected and we all are really seeking and saying the same things. Today, I like the word pillars, so I'm going to use that in my language. Um, So there are three key pillars that are present in people in post-traumatic experiences that are caused by this spirit of supremacy. And these pillars are present, again, in both the oppressed as well as the oppressor. So please keep an open mind when listening to this. Within the first pillar, I found a deep need for growth and healing. We see this a lot in trauma work as well. Um, You know, there's this deep need and also desire um, for growth and healing. The second pillar would be a need to be understood on both sides of the oppressed and the oppressor, the person who is oppressed on the receiving end of uh, racism or supremacy wants to be understood within their own experience. And typically the oppressor um, is somebody who is 
feeling denied of their own existence, of being understood and within their own arrogance or possibly ignorance, um, create harm uh, onto the other person who is on the receiving end of this oppression. And the third pillar that I found um, is this deep desire for belonging. Yeah, I think this echoes um, with every single person, even if we're not talking about race, racism, extreme manifestations of supremacy. You know, there's a deep desire, and uh, it's very human of us for having this this need for belonging. And I understand it's not very popular to also, you know, quote unquote, side with the oppressor, <laughs> um, especially in anti-racism and decolonization work which is what also added a layer of difficulty for me when exploring this oneness of racism. But I truly see this as an important opportunity to learn more about the human condition than just labeling someone as racist or a supremacist. When I came to the space of understanding that both parties are in need of the same qualities, and trust me, I realize and understand that this looks different for everyone. Why are we continuing to tell ourselves this story that we need to be disconnected by our differences when we all seek the same thing? Now, when it comes to racism, supremacy, and its spirit, I understand this is a completely nuanced, complex, layered, abstract, and personal topic. Again, I kept feeling like I was left with more questions than I had answers to. And maybe that's okay. Maybe, you know, these questions are meant to be rhetorical and to give each individual its own specific meaning. You know, I don't know you. I don't know your life. <laughs> you know, but being in this space, this challenging and frustrating space of seeking the oneness in a topic was triggering and upsetting, you know, was a beautiful lesson in itself for me. I found myself continually hearing echoes of my teachers and coaches and guides, you know. Is it possible to push through the duality and find the oneness? In my own personal search for universal oneness in all aspects of my observed and lived experiences, I'm typically led to find the oneness or universal truth when I accept my reality as that, you know, my own. Um, and there are also infinite possibilities within my desire to seek answers. At that point, I'm usually led to deeper understandings, which invites room for more opportunities to create new meaning. In my process, harnessing emotional intelligence and allowing space for cognitive flexibility is super key here. And, you know, as I continue with this uh, topic of spirit of supremacy, I believe that words and language is so important. So to break this down um, and look at the etymology of these words deserves to be honored and reflected upon. So I'll start with the word spirit. In indigenous beliefs and folklore, you know, spirit is this vital and animating force or vital principle of all living things within all living things. This also greatly reflects the Guarani belief and wisdom that everything has a spirit. 
as a direct descendant of the Guarani people, it's been my life's path and work to find deeper understanding and meaning of my indigenous lineage. We believe in animism, which is the belief that objects, places, and creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence. Um, and we have different words for that. So we have like the spiritual body. We also have the spiritual essence. Um, and there's also a word for the individual human essence. So within all of those, you know, vocabulary words and all of those definitions that we have as a indigenous people, you know, spirit goes beyond um, just a word for us or just a feeling um, it's very layered. Um, for the word supremacy, uh, we don't have a translation or a word for supremacy in Guarani. <laughs> but this word is defined in our contemporary world as the state or condition of being superior to all others in authority, in power, and in status. From an indigenous perspective, when I say we believe in animism and that all things have and possess a spirit, it's important to note that we don't believe or follow any hierarchy when it comes to spirits. It's not like there's this belief that the spirit within human beings reigns supreme and everything else is, you know, less than or below us. And equally, it's important for me to state that something such as a rock, you know, that lies within a riverbed is seen to have as much of a spirit that my dog possesses or has the same animating spirit that lies within me. Many indigenous, native, and First Nation peoples believe that we are and everything is all connected. When we begin to look at life and our external surroundings, not just as inanimate objects, but something with its own vibrational force and its own spirit, it's easy to see the web of life and how things are all connected. In many cultures, the spirits of plants or animals or even the spirits within the cosmos are highly respected and regarded as sacred. And at times, you know, maybe more sacred than the spirit or energetic essence that we as humans possess. This is why we learn from nature. This is why we learn from the cosmos. This is why there are so many teachings within Mother Nature herself. So the spirit of supremacy, you know, it binds all of us in some form or capacity in many points of our life. The spirit finds us in microscopic moments as well as catastrophic events. I had to do some deep shadow work within communicating with this spirit and understanding it. I had to ask myself uncomfortable questions such as, when does the spirit find me? And just to share with you a few things, um, this is like what came up for me. The spirit of supremacy finds me when I tell myself I think I know better. You know, that's my ego, right? The spirit of supremacy finds me when I think or assume I know someone's story before I listen. The spirit of supremacy finds me in microscopic moments, like when I'm fighting for a parking space, <laughs> right? Like I tell myself, like, this is my, this is my space. <laughs> How fucking dare you? <laughs> How dare you cut me off? <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, for clarity. I, I believe it's important to add some clarity right now before I go further. Because this is such a loaded word. You know, supremacy is not just Confederate-obsessed neo-Nazi provocateurs. That is simply an exaggerated and extreme manifestation of the spirit. And when we hear folks talk about, you know, like dismantling supremacy or dismantling racism, for example, this isn't just simply saying, like, fuck you to the patriarchy or, you know, any of the archies that exist. <laughs> you know, dismantling is such a is such popular terminology right now. And honestly, for me, it's almost as exhausting as the problem itself. For us to fully grasp the concept of supremacy, we need to come to a space of acknowledging that we have been both the oppressed as well as the oppressor in some form or another. To acknowledge this and admit this doesn't feel good. If you're someone who has been you know, sitting in the shallow end of the pool within your victimhood, you know, this can be very upsetting to hear. It can be very um, upsetting to acknowledge and might be very difficult to look at. You know, this is a deeply spiritual practice um, in and of itself. And to acknowledge this within ourselves is part of our, you know, our great work. This is a very... Um, deeply spiritual experience and I would dare say uh, you know entering some shadow work here so what happens after we acknowledge the spirit not just the spirit as a whole but also acknowledging how we have upheld honored and allowed the spirit to take the wheel I believe once we acknowledge and admit within ourselves that this spirit affects us all, it's important then to witness and observe this spirit or this energy in action. But how? For me, when I notice that I start to witness through a lens of shared or collected pain, although it's cathartic and it is healing in some capacities, I'm also aware that I'm going against this energy and going against this animated force. When I witness or observe through a lens of collective pain, it aids in becoming the epicenter of a group identity. And I believe within this context, this is where a collective trauma or group pain, which identifies itself within a collective memory of traumatic events, is a dynamic social psychological process that is primarily dedicated to the construction of meaning. So again, like this isn't something that's good and it's not necessarily bad. It just is. So as we find ways to create new meaning within our pain, or dare I say collective pain, you know, my hope is that we can find new spaces of looking at this spirit and understanding it, not just through frustration and anger, but also witnessing the spirit through the heart. This is the major disconnect that I've observed within the Western world. You know, within academia, within sociology, um, anthropology, psychology, Western medicine and pathology. We identify and acknowledge and pathologize from the neck up, right? 
we as a society have done a very good job of severing head and the heart. And I imagine if we're able to align these two, if we're able to honor these two, we may be able to go beyond seeking understanding, go beyond seeking meaning or finding answers, and actually go deeper into a space of knowing as well as opening doorways for accepting. I, I fully believe, um, at least today, <laughs> that if I can witness the complexity and the duality of a difficult topic from a space of oneness within my heart, I'm able to clearly see how I may move through my own reality with more clarity and grace because I'm open and allowing for universal energies and understanding to flow through me. I think this is a good place to end here. I also must acknowledge that when speaking about this spirit, it's very heavy. It's very animated. And as much as I desire to continue speaking about the spirit of supremacy, I need to honor my energy and boundaries here. I believe this will be a continual and ongoing journey and conversation. And I have a deep desire to speak about this spirit and how it affects our contemporary world. You know, how this spirit affects and moves through the spiritual and traditional medicine communities and circles. Again, it's so important to acknowledge the spirit affects each and every one of us in different ways and within different capacities throughout our lives. No one is immune to being met by the spirit. It's a matter of how we choose to interact with it, how our actions or lack thereof affect us and all of our relations, and how we make the decision to go beyond a desire of trying to destroy, dismantle, abolish, or revoke this spirit and instead do our best to listen to it. Ask how this spirit is meant to be our teacher and what is there for us to learn and grow from. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you learned or maybe gained some new insight. Uh, I know that this can be a very um, abstract topic. And also when I, you know, speak about seeing life and moving through life, uh, you know, as a spiritual being, having a human experience and witnessing my external reality with everything as a spirit in and of itself, I understand that it can sound a little odd or it can <laughs> be a little bit abstract for many. Um, so I thank you for spending the time listening to an indigenous voice, uh, honoring this space, and um, I look forward to many more episodes. I am I'm back. I'm, I took a good break, but, you know, I do feel called to continue sharing. So thank you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to support in any way, um, you know, you can always follow, share these episodes. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Um, I do put these episodes also on YouTube, so whichever feels called and aligned to you really helps me out. 
And, you know, if you feel called and if it feels aligned with you to donate, um, if you go to my Instagram at Activated Living, um, the link in my bio, there's the first button is a donate button. That's going to help me so that I can continue producing these podcasts so I can pay for my hosting sites and all the fun, techie, nerdy things that are involved with hosting a podcast. I want to also thank you and honor you for taking the time to listen to an indigenous voice and listening to this episode of Spirit of Supremacy. Lastly, I want to thank you for showing up and tuning in, for finding the medicine within yourself and allowing your light to shine within.